Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you. It's another edition of Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. We're going to take the next hour to dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. We will start over in London yesterday where Anthony Joshua put on a hell of a show against Alexander Povetkin and was able to get the stoppage in the seventh round. A sensational knockout from Anthony Joshua. And when we spoke with this fight last week, what we discussed was the most important thing for Anthony Joshua to come out of this fight was to remind everybody why he's the man, why he has all those belts, why he is the star that he is, why we tune in to watch him. And while that fight was going on, you were uh, you were questioning whether or not this uh, this 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 superstar really was at his peak um, or or had flatlined a little bit in the things that he had learned. You know, uh, is this going to be his style? Is it going to be more cautious? Is he going to be the guy that he was against Vladimir Klitschko? Uh, was he being too protective? All the while, while he was fighting this dangerous, crazy Russian, a little bit older, has tested positive for PEDs in the past, and he unleashed hell on him in the seventh round. And it was a, a real exclamation point for him. And just a reminder is why the heavyweight division right now is the most exciting division in boxing. It isn't the most talented, it isn't the best, but it is the most exciting. When you put those contenders in there with those champions, something crazy can happen. And in that first round, Anthony Joshua got into a little bit of trouble, got wobbled a little bit. Um, don't know if he was if, if he was close to going down, but he definitely got buckled. And I think the thing that's fun about this division and what has made it great, there's obviously, you know, obviously we want to see the big match between him and Wilder, but we'll get to that in a second. But to give some credit to all of these guys, and mostly to the two champions in Wilder and Joshua, because this division makes that margin for error so much smaller with the kind of punching power naturally a lot of the contenders are going to have, then you put on top of the fact that both Deontay and AJ are inherently vulnerable guys in themselves. They leave themselves open. Both have been uh, both have been tested as far as Wilder's been exposed with some of his boxing flaws. He's not the cleanest guy in the world, not the greatest defender in the world. His best weapon is that his power is knock you silly, and it's better than anybody else's in both hands. While AJ has shown not the greatest chin in the world, he has shown that he can be put down. Um... 
but his fortitude is something that has to be admired. Both of these guys. Their last two fights, Deontay's against Luis Ortiz and AJ's against Alexander Povetkin's, while not the ideal matchups, were both in there against guys that were older, both guys with shady pasts as far as drug tests are concerned. It didn't matter. Both guys who you could say from a boxing standpoint, probably better skilled boxers than the two. I mean, AJ probably on the same level as Povetkin, but Povetkin definitely good enough to cause problems. And Luis Ortiz technically, I think, probably dwarfs Deontay Wilder. And in a lot of people's minds, Deontay Wilder was on the scorecards, losing that fight when he stopped Luis Ortiz, much needed. And in the same realm as AJ, a lot of the people who were watching that fight thought that AJ was losing that fight. Now, the scorecards came out. Those are a little bit iffy. You know, it was one of them was 5-1 and one of them was uh, and two of them were 4-2 for Anthony Joshua. I don't really know where they get those scorecards from. Um, Those seemed a little bit sketchy. If, if I'm going to be honest, I mean, I, we could sit here and probably finagle our way to a, a, a draw after three rounds. I think that's fair. Uh, to say Anthony Joshua is winning that fight, I think, is is plumb dumb after half of that fight was over. But, I mean, it's of little consequence. The point was he was facing somebody who was really giving it back to him, was facing some real adversity, and was able to come through with just a stunning highlight reel knockout these guys are, are must-see TV. They are fantastic, both of them, Deontay and AJ. They, they are really, really great. We need to get that show. It, it, is, it is something I think that could be a, a difference maker for the sport when these guys face off. The obstacles that have gone between it have been frustrating. If it does come to be in April when Anthony Joshua is booked out for Wembley Stadium. I think it'll be okay. I think especially with this upcoming fight, Deontay is taking on Tyson Fury um, in December. That was made official this week. He's going to be facing him in December 1st. Somewhere in the States, it looks like Los Angeles is the favorite with Las Vegas still in the running. It's supposedly going to be announced next week. But the one thing that's going to do for Deontay Wilder I do think that Tyson is going to provide somewhat of a foil for him to get more eyes on him, to get a little bit of America versus London um, against an opponent who, quite frankly, he should wipe the floor with. And I know the skill set that Tyson Fury brings to the ring. He can ugly things up. He is elusive, even for his size and body type. But that being said, he has not had a, a, a real fight of consequence in three years. These last two that he's had is, have really, it has been Tyson Fury absolutely dipping his toe in the water. And there are some suggestions that maybe it's a little bit too soon that he, he, that he steps into the ring with this kind of opponent this quickly. That, that he, is, he is really going from, from crawling to full throttle against Deontay Wilder. But I respect it from Tyson Fury. That is what is making this division great. That these guys, these two guys are willing to fight each other. They are a bit of a styles clash. This is an opponent that Deontay really hasn't faced 
a, a, a guy who, who can be this elusive in the ring, a guy who can make things very, very ugly for you, who can take away your best weapons, who can make you question yourself. And if we're going to say, you know, how, how Deontay was having trouble against Luis Ortiz, Tyson, I think, can cause some of those problems as well. It doesn't seem like it's as dangerous on the return fire because Tyson, out of a lot of contenders at the heavyweight division, don't have that return fire like a lot of them do. But it doesn't mean that he can't make it such a headache for you that he can't win on points. That's what he does. That's how he won the lineal heavyweight championship of the world. And that is, this is going to be a big clinic for Deontay Wilder and his growth. And if he gets past this, it's undeniable at this point. Like, if he doesn't get the fight with Anthony Joshua after beating Tyson Fury, you know, we have to have some real conversations about what's what's going on with with how they're keeping a guy like that away. Because, you know, it was even asked by, by AJ after the fight, like, oh, do I have any mandatories? Do I have any mandatories? He's asking Eddie Hurd. And it's like, your mandatory should be Deontay Wilder. The, the, I mean... How any of those gazillion belts that you have don't have Deontay Wilder as a top contender is beyond me. Like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense why those belts would want you to fight anybody else but the top guy. Why they would want their belts represented by anybody else but the number one contender. So for me, this is uh this is very, very exciting. The heavyweight division continues to come through with some big, big fights. Um a little bit lackluster in 2017, but 2018 has been a big bounce back for them as far as these guys getting back on track, as far as these guys delivering exciting fights and performances, dangerous fights for their audiences and their fans. And if if you know if you don't realize, like maybe we don't realize it as much in this country because of uh, of different reasons, but look at what that arena does for Anthony Joshua: seventy thousand people in sub fifty degree weather. It's crazy to go sit around and, and watch a guy do that for, I mean, it's seven rounds. So they're they're getting 20 minutes of Anthony Joshua, basically. And they had to sit through an entire card, 80,000 people, 70,000, 80,000 people in terrible weather, all to see that guy box. Um, it's remarkable. It's remarkable. And so we, we I really hope this fight happens. Um, Deontay does have a tough test. If we're going to talk about as far as activity is concerned and, and where guys should be, I mean, Deontay Wilder right now with, with the opponents that he's been in there with, with how tuned up he should be, that alone should give him the big nod against Tyson Fury. But everybody does know those vulnerabilities that are there for Deontay and those shortcomings that are there for Deontay. The, the, but the big question we've asked with him when he gets in there with those opponents, do those things matter when he can slightly touch you and you go night-night? And we've seen Tyson Fury before. He's gotten touched and been put out and, and been put on the canvas. So we know that that uh, it's not exactly iron in that chin, that it is vulnerable. And really anybody's vulnerable when you're taking on Deontay Wilder. And if he wins this fight, I hope that this country rallies around him. I hope that all the boxing fans rally around him to to get the fight we all want to see, deserve to see. Should be a record-breaking fight as far as uh, what what is concerned with these guys? It, it is it's the heavyweight championship of the world, and it's between two charismatic guys with a lot of power, with ha- with guys who who have shown chinks in the armor, guys who have put themselves through a lot of tests. 
I mean, they, they, from their standpoint, they have done everything right leading up to this fight. They really have. You know, it's disappointing that it's not happening in December and that we're going to have to wait an extra four months for it to happen. But if it happens in four months, they have, they have cooked this thing almost to perfection. And this heavyweight division is going to be having a level of excitement around it that it has not happened have had for a, a very, very long time. So a great performance by Anthony Joshua yesterday. He really did put a stamp on showing who is the man. Um, you know, his last fights against Carlos Takam and Joe Parker, a little bit lackluster. Um, the Carlos Takam fight probably should have gone the distance with him. He had, there was a parachute ref in there that basically stopped that fight early. Shouldn't have been stopped. And the fight against Joe Parker, you understand the skill set and what's on the line when he's fighting there against Joe Parker, but... It also was a bit lackluster. It was a very, it was a very forgettable bout. Uh, whereas Deontay, you know, he's if he's in there with guys that he's way better than, he's turning them into internet memes. And if he's in there with guys who probably skill set wise cause a lot of problems or, or 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 causing him to lose fights, he still can crack you to the level where he is going to walk out there with his belt still on his shoulder. So, great performance yesterday from Anthony Joshua, and hopefully. I can say this, like, hopefully Deontay Wilder gets past Tyson Fury and we get this matchup. It's not that, like, I'd love to see Tyson Fury fight Anthony Joshua uh, one day down the line. I think that Tyson Fury, if you if you were to ask me who needs their undefeated record the least, it would be Tyson Fury. It just, to me, the guy can sell a fight. He is the perfect foil. He is the perfect bad guy. Wins and losses to him mean the least. And he can talk his way out of anything. For for Deontay, he probably needs it the most because he has the least amount of leverage as far as fanfare is concerned, as far as not having the nation behind him. Um, and AJ, he still needs it because he is the golden boy. He is the lineal champ. But once, once Deontay Wilder and once AJ square off, whoever comes out of the thing with a loss, I mean, who cares at that point? They, they are putting themselves on the line to give you guys the best show and to get the most fanfare and to see who really is the man but as far as yesterday was concerned i think that it was waning a little bit like this fight between deontay and tyson fury coming up in december i think for a lot of people could have been the showing of who is the man who is the real lineal champ even if it doesn't if even if it isn't for the most belts but with the performance that aj was able to have against pavetkin to weather the storm the way that he was uh, literally and figuratively he can still say, all right, whoever comes out of this fight, I mean, good for you guys, but I'm still the showstopper. I'm still the guy who could fill the arena like none other. And there's still something that has to, there, there's still some debate no matter what happens off of December 1st. And if AJ would have had a stinker, if it would have been uh, a lackluster win, if it would have been um, a fine win, I think that Tyson and Deontay would have had to say, like, this is for the real heavyweight championship of the world. And they could still sell that picture, and they could still sell that bill of goods going into this fight. But I do think it holds less weight with the performance that AJ was able to have. All right, when we come back, we have a lot to get to. Um, we have John Jones is back. Tyron Woodley's injured. Yolanda Jacek and Valentina Shevchenko, they got themselves a title fight coming down. But the biggest news this week was the return of the MAC, Conor McGregor, back stateside, at a press conference, facing off with Khabib Nurmagomedov. These two are squaring off in just a couple of weeks. We'll get to that matchup next. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back, guys. 
We got big news this week. John Jones' punishment was finally handed down by USADA. He gets a 15-month retroactive suspension, meaning that he can fight or is eligible to fight in October, um, which led everybody. I think naturally we all went to the place of, well, he's going to be headlining Madison Square Garden. That card has been left strangely without a main event. It's not that far away. And they've they've sworn up and down that the main event is not going to be Nate Diaz versus Dustin Poirier. Though that may even have the weight to be good enough to be a main event. Even if you're just going to say, um, these guys are just the two baddest men on the planet and what's on the other end of this is they get to fight Conor McGregor or get to fight for the lightweight title. Um, but they, they, they've been steadfast that that is not going to be the main event, even though, man, would love to see five rounds of that. Even Dustin Poirier suggested this week that should be for the inaugural 165-pound championship, which is something that's been kicked around multiple weight classes, uh, more weight classes, kind of put a 10-pound difference between all of them, help with some of the weight-cutting issues, cause more title fights. You know, I, the, the only thing I would say that is the issue with that is, you know, the UFC's kind of trying to do this with the women's division where they're adding more belts, but they've been having a lot of trouble really keeping even those afloat. You know what I mean? As far as what is meaningful, keeping the contender stocked. Now, you know, obviously, because it's so much newer, it's harder to to fill the women's bracket with more, I guess you could say, UFC-level contenders because it's, it's a smaller pool to go about. Uh, but even still, you know, the next fight that's probably going to go down is champion versus champion and, and Chris Cyborg versus Amanda Nunes. And, you know, once you get a result of that, then what? Like what goes for those for, for both of those two ladies once that thing comes to comes to an end? Either way, um, the natural place we all went to was John Jones is going to headline that card and it's probably going to be against Alexander Gustafson or it's going to be against Daniel Cormier. Um with Gus, I thought, I, th- I mean, I thought it was natural. Like, look, Daniel Cormier, it, for him to come back to 205, it just seems ludicrous. He is planning for a fight with Brock Lesnar, meaning he is going into this last fight of his career thinking it's going to be against Brock Lesnar. So why are we even talking about him being the light heavyweight championship of the world? Is it just to have him as the two-division champion going into that fight with Brock Lesnar? He's the heavyweight champion of the world. I don't even see what the appeal of it is. Um, and it's also a belt that everybody looks upon that light heavyweight division and they see John Jones as the guy anyway, because he's beaten Dan- Daniel twice. So I am surprised when we got the news this week that Dana White said there's no shot that John Jones is going to come back and headline Madison Square Garden. No shot. When he first said it, he said it the day before the McGregor could be press conference. And so. I thought that was a natural lie, you know, which which Dana is prone to do, just because they want to do the official launch there. They didn't he didn't want to spill the beans to reporters. But he remained steadfast at that at the Connor Khabib press conference and he said no, no, 100% that that John is not going to fight on that card. Again, I do find it surprising. Um he's clear to fight. They made such an emphasis on him fighting. He even got a reduced suspension because of uh because he went into arbitration so i i found it strange that john is not fighting at this madison square garden card just because there 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 appears to be such a void there we also got the news this week that tyrone woodley is going to have hand surgery 
So he is out for the next two to three months. So him versus Colby is out. That's not going to be a case. Even And that seemed like that could have been um, almost a, a, a savior for that card. The only other thing I've really seen kicked around as a possibility would be uh, TJ Dillashaw against Henry Cejudo for the Flyweight Championship. Here's the thing with that, though. It's the Flyweight Championship. Like, I mean, if we're going to even talk about what's the main event, the Flyweight Championship, which has been the least popular championship in the history of the promotion, or Dustin Poirier, who's been an absolute killer, and Nate Diaz, the Diaz brothers are wildly popular. You definitely could say that Nate Diaz is probably a top five face right now for the UFC. Um, if you don't think it's top five, it's definitely top ten. Isn't him main eventing and fighting five rounds a bigger deal than Henry Cejudo versus TJ Dillashaw? Just from a fan standpoint. You know, I think Dustin probably has a great idea here. As far as if, it, if you want to make it a title fight, why not make it the inaugural 165 pound title are they just are they just not keen on doing that 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 they're not going to put forth these these next level titles because look here's what's happening with the UFC and it's coming down the pipe soon it's they're going to have this deal with ESPN and ESPN they are going to have to fill a lot of fights a lot of fights on ESPN plus on ESPN television and pay-per-view and we saw it, they had a real significance problem with Fox as far as the number of cards they had to put on and getting people to care about them. And one way to get people to care is to have more titles. And a better way to do it than this cockamamie, you know, interim title this, interim title that, strip an interim title, not the champ anymore. Have the titles mean something. Just have more weight classes. Um, it'll be healthier for your fighters. Supposedly you would think that that is going to lower the number of guys missing weight because they'll be fighting in more natural places for themselves. Um, and they will be actual titles. They won't be these these interim weirdo titles that you, you know, arbitrarily give out and take away as you please. It's, um, it's not a bad idea by Dustin Poirier. And Dustin certainly deserves a title shot. You know Nate Diaz would love fighting for a title. Um, I don't think it's I, th I think it's a pretty good idea by by Dustin Poirier actually and and uh, I, I fully support that being the idea now what is next for John Jones I think that you know getting back to it I mean like the goat is back and, and that's great for the UFC he is uh, look the, here's the big thing with John no matter who he fights next whether it, it is for the heavyweight title or whether it is against Alexander Gustafson we just need him back for a consistent amount of time like whatever comes out of this like lord he needs to be able to pass drug tests he has to I, I i don't i don't give him all the wizinators give him all the clean urine that you can you can't have this guy fight the next time he fights and then he's going to pop again you gotta get him a chauffeur there's no more driving no more driving for john jones can't happen no more driving no more drug tests like whatever whatever sketchy stuff you got to do to keep this guy on your active roster you know we, we've been talking for for years about well ufc is a star problem is a star problem this guy is the, the 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 best talent to ever grace the octagon you know we can put we can put tests aside we can put you know all that all that stuff in, in a pocket because look john jones came up in an era where the ufc was dirty real dirty in fact vitor belfort today uh was today's the 22nd or is yesterday the 22nd yesterday was the 22nd that was the seven-year anniversary 
of Vitor versus John Jones. Probably the most vulnerable we've seen John outside of the Gustafson fight, where he was really close to getting his arm ripped off. But go look at what Vitor Belfort looked like in that fight. Go look. Go see what he looked like when he was allowed to testosterone to his gills. It was it was like going in there with a steroided pit bull. It was it was crazy. But John came out of that. So he came up in a dirty era of of the of the UFC. Um, it's just a realization that we have to have with the sport. Do you feel bad for a guy like Daniel Cormier who's as clean as he gets? Yes. Does does DC have a, a legit conversation, have a legit complaint with USADA? Like, hey, don't bother me at six in the morning anymore. It doesn't matter with these tests. Yes, he absolutely does. But this is pro sports, and it's tough to know who is clean and who is not. And so all I know is what I can go with all my eyes. That guy's the best thing I've ever seen in an octagon. That's it. And that, you know, I know it comes with I know it comes with baggage, and I know that it's not always on the level, and there are suspicions with it. But I know when it comes just down to the fighting and what he outputs in an octagon, he's 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 the best thing we've seen. And so the fact that the UFC has not been able to get momentum behind him as being something that is a meaningful star, and I'm not just talking about when he fights Daniel Cormier, I'm talking about always, is is a real hindrance. I mean, think about that. Think about think about if the NBA wasn't able to get LeBron James on a consistent level. Like, they, they were rolling the dice on whether or not LeBron was going to show up year in and year out because of stuff. But he's the best talent you've seen. You know, you... <laughs> You would you would you would lose some real momentum for your business, and that's really where the where the UFC has been with him. It's so unreliable and it's so frustrating that we haven't been able to see the real arc of John Jones, other than he hits these highs, he has these incredible moments, and then it's taken away from you, and you're not able to see him for 18 months out. So this is uh, hopefully that that he's back now. Can they just keep him for a little bit? Can they can they get John Jones in there to to get his title back to fight Alexander Gustafson the best the best opposition he's ever gotten to face in a, in, a, in an octagon? Can they get him in there with a Brock Lesnar, a real real mainstream fight that everybody will be watching so he can prove that his skill set is better than that of the monsters? Can they get that kind of momentum behind John Jones so it can mean something for the company? Because it really felt after that DC fight, it really felt like he had the comeback moment. He had this this real storybook ending where I finally arrived, I put the demons behind me, and now I'm ready to fight Brock Lesnar. And then taken all away with another positive drug test. So now that he's back, can they keep him for a little bit? That's the important thing. That's that's the huge key to John Jones. When we come back, we're to Conor McGregor versus Khabib. It's Fighters Fury on AM790 the ticket. Welcome back, guys. Tobin with you. Fighters Fury rolls on. Now, let's just get to it. The big, the biggest news of this week was the Mac was back, man. Conor McGregor back stateside to promote an actual mixed martial arts event. Has not been in there since December of 2016. Actually, November of 2016 when he beat Eddie Alvarez to become lightweight champion of the world. The first simultaneous two-division UFC champion. And finally, we have ourselves a date with him versus Khabib, October 6th. It's going to be in Las Vegas. Cannot wait for this matchup. It is a matchup. It is it is one of the, the old classic clash of styles, the grappler versus the striker. And, 
you just can't wait for it. This is, this is going to be fantastic. Of course, Connor did what he does at press conferences. He starts that mental warfare. He gets in with Khabib. I will say, Khabib t- stood a little bit more silent than I thought he was. Like, if we're just going to talk about scoring the press conference, and I know when you go into a Conor McGregor press conference, you're already probably going down on the scorecards anyway. But, yeah, I thought, I thought we were going to get a little bit more menace from Khabib. He... Um, he kind of just he kind of went the silent route, mostly silent treatment at Conor McGregor and his antics. You know, Conor tried uh, giving out some of his vodka, giving uh, Khabib some of his vodka to take a shot with him, and it's against Khabib's religion, and so he wasn't about it. And he kind of shut down. It wasn't it wasn't a case of you know he was like it will mull you, it will mull you like a little bit, but it wasn't like there wasn't that menace. Like one of the things I love about Khabib. And, and the way he delivers, it is very Drago-esque. It is very, it is very cold. It is very calculated. And we didn't get a lot of that. It was, it was, you know, it was kind of just like, whatever, you know, we'll see. It's like, no, 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 Khabib, we'll see. No, man, you're, you're, you're there because you need to instill on people that you are the guy to actually end all this nonsense. You are the guy who is going to dominate Conor McGregor. And what you allowed was you allowed Conor McGregor to tell your story, you know, put in these things that you were supported by Russian mafia, you were uh, that you that 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 you uh, he, you 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 cornered one of his his guys and issued all these bad things, and and he didn't return fire on anything. Like that's the, that's the thing. When you come into a Conor McGregor press conference, you know that he's going to come in here with all this inside stuff, all this inside research. You got to come with your own. And like the one thing that you know Khabib came in there with was like, what what did you say on Twitter? Like what? what? What are you talking about, man? We don't know. You got you got to you got to return fire with 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 something else. And wasn't even like you know make it, it was a little bit of making fun of how he, he submitted and stuff like that. But if you're Khabib, you need to go in and be like, I make people go into that cage and wish that the clock would go by faster. Talk about the Edson Barboza fight. Talk about the Michael Johnson fight. Those types of performances. The fight against Ally Quinta. Yeah, it was a, it was a lopsided decision. You know, but don't you know come out here and and peacock around that you you won that fight 40, 53, uh, 50, 43 on the scorecards. It's like all right, but you you did it on a guy who was on a a, a couple hours notice, and a guy's not really a top title contender. There's you know that that title that Khabib has is quite frankly quite bogus. I mean he 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 won that fight against a guy who was not a title contender, and. I understand that the circumstances weren't in Khabib's control, but look, that's gotten the other the, the shoe's been on the other foot there too when he pulled a, pulled out against Tony Ferguson. So, you know, from his standpoint, he really I thought needed to make the case to people why he is the guy to upend Conor McGregor and stop this hype train. And I don't feel like he did that. I feel like Conor really just bullied his way in that press conference. And when we're looking at this matchup and we're talking about where these guys win. I think it's, I mean, it's it's as cut and dry as it gets. I mean, look, Connor dominates his skill set in a way on the feet that Khabib does with this fight being on the ground. Khabib does not want to stand up and strike with Connor McGregor. He does not want to be in a distance game with Connor McGregor. He doesn't want to allow Connor McGregor to use his speed. And Connor McGregor, in the same regard, does not want to get that leg grabbed by Khabib and does not want to be put against the cage. And does not want to have him hammerfish in the entire fight. You know, maybe Connor will be able to 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 keep up appearances to the judges and and let and let them know that that Khabib's not hurting him. But 
still looks bad. And Khabib can go out there and he can go get 10 eights because of the way scoring systems are today. And he can go out there and get dominant rounds. And it can become a very, very tough scorecard for Connor to go win if he's not able to keep Khabib off of him. Um, one of the things that did stand out with the faceoff, you know, Khabib is uh, Khabib size-wise. Like, he, he is a lot more massive than you assume because he doesn't have the big bulky body. He is kind of just like this uh, this just wrestling, Russian wrestling machine. Um, doesn't have the physique of Conor McGregor, but height-wise and, and 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 broadness, like you could tell that um, that that is going that when he gets his whole uh, his hands on Conor McGregor, that is going to be a tough tough matchup for Conor. Um, it's going to be important for you know will Conor risk throwing some kicks? It's always been a big distance maker for him, you know, and 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 a big thing to set things up for himself. Will he risk that at the at the expense of maybe getting taken down? That'll be a big question because if he's just going with his fists. That's, that doesn't make him as special a fighter. Um, but the other thing that we have to do with Khabib, you know, we've had these little, little windows with him because a lot of his fights are dominant. A lot of his fights are on the ground, and a lot of his fights aren't put at a very vulnerable state for him. But when we have seen those windows of him getting cracked a little bit, whether it was against Iaquinta, whether it was against Michael Johnson, we have seen that the striking is very, 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 very suspect. His defense is suspect. And so when Connor, if Connor is able to land that left hand flush on him, you, you the explanations are, you know, it's still it's still not great. You know, Connor calls it timing, he calls it speed, calls it precision, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't look like it's the most intimidating shot you've ever seen. It's not like when you watch Anthony Joshua yesterday. When Anthony Joshua hits Alexander Povetkin with that right hand, you're like, yeah, that's one of the most that's one of the most devastating punches anybody has in the sport is that right hand. With Connor, it's like, man, it's just, it's so slick. It's so sharp. It's so precise. But whatever reason, when that left hand lands on somebody, it puts them down. Even in the Nate Diaz fights, he was putting Nate Diaz down. When he touches people, they go down. And for Khabib, there is going to be a real issue there. If Connor gets his hand on that chin or on that temple or on that head, is he going to be able to? Stand the force. Is he going to be able to take that shot? Because he is by far the most talented guy that Khabib has been in there with. The only other guy you could probably say comes close is RDA. And that was a long time ago. That wasn't championship level RDA. You know, I know he went out, he went on to go do great things, but you know, Rafael dos Santos is not in the class of Conor McGregor. It's not. It's not. He 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 brings, you know, he, he does he come with a more versatile school uh skill set? Yes. But as far as performances on the big stage, as far as having all that pressure on him with the the amount of elite guys that he's actually eliminated, no. 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 He's not in that class. He's not. And if you want to do MMA math for you, the guy that that took away RDA's title, Conor McGregor diced in, in, in a matter of two rounds. It was one of, most, one of his most dominant performances. So, you know, we we have a, a lot of a lot of interesting questions. And I understand why people go with Grappler versus striker, because a lot of the times the grappler dominates. That is the way, that is, that is most of the time, that is the thing, that is the route and the path to victory. Um, there's less, the, the, you know, you get them in that vulnerable state, you get them in that place where they're uncomfortable. They really can't do anything to them, and, but you can do something to them. You know, it's, it's one of those things where if Khabib gets Connor down, what does Connor have for him? And then people are going to start wondering about Connor's gas tank and how is he going to be when the, when the round keeps going. It's not even to say that when Khabib, if Khabib gets Connor down, that he's going to be so devastating. Um, 
that Conor is going to stop. But, you know, this is a different animal than when Conor McGregor had Chad Mendez on him and that he was talking bleep. You know, he had a he had a he had a 145-pound guy on him. This guy in, in Khabib, he is, a, he is a, a real shrunken down 155. Who knows what he's going to be the night he steps into that cage. But the, uh, the, the press conference was fun. It was really good to have Conor McGregor back. He signed a six-fight deal, which is huge for the UFC. I think that's going to be interesting. Let's say Conor, let's just play what's next for him. If Conor McGregor does get this win and he does get past Khabib, um, is he going to sit there and defend at 155 pounds? You got Tony Ferguson fighting on this same night. Tony Ferguson fighting Anthony Pettis. Um, Tony, if he wins against Anthony Pettis, certainly des- deserves a title shot. And then, of course, we talked about Nate Diaz versus Dustin Poirier. Whoever wins that fight, I think, is certainly worthy of a title shot. The interesting thing will be, if if that does end up being for a 165-pound title, though that may take you out of the rankings of 155 because now you have a belt to defend, it would be interesting from Connor's standpoint because then he'd have another belt to go win, and I'm sure that does intrigue him as well. So you have that little dynamic to go there, and of course everybody knows about the George St. Pierre thing. Everybody thinks that GSP versus Connor is definitely going to happen eventually. Um, if it happens, and if Connor goes and beats Khabib, a lot of people think that that is the heavy favorite fight to to come next. So we'll see. We'll see what. You know, this is going to be a fun couple of weeks of speculation uh, to see how these guys train in the lead-up. Um, but Connor definitely came out of that press conference with a bang. He did not disappoint. He looked like he was a little lit up, I'm not going to lie. Like, that, the, the, the whiskey and, and all the shots that he was taking, he looked, a, he looked a little geeked up coming into the press conference as it was. Um, but it was fun nonetheless to have him back, even if he was using half of the time to promote his whiskey. You understand why that guy is different why he is important to the sport, why he is doing things at a different level uh, in the sport to to get people excited about when he fights. So this is, uh, this is it was it was really, really great to have him back. Uh, a couple other things to note. So we didn't get to this last week because of, you know, the, uh, the weird setup. We were coming back from Vegas, so we wanted to give you a Triple G Canelo recap, uh, but didn't get to some of the, uh, the news that came out later in that week. And one of the things that came out was that Floyd Mayweather is – going to fight Manny Pacquiao at the end of the year. And predictably, the reaction to this was not great. Everybody's like, this was one of the biggest disappointments in combat sports history. We were waiting for five years for this fight to go down, and it did nothing but disappoint. And one of my big problems with the Floyd Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao stuff wasn't even so much the in-ring stuff. It was the fact that it felt like everybody went into that fight trying to get their piece of the pie wasn't even just about the fighters. It was like HBO had their own announcer. Showtime had their own announcer. You had all this thing, just uh, everything was surrounding the money that was going on. This cost this. This is what ads cost for the fight. This is how many people are watching the fight. This is what it costs to be on one of the guy's shorts for the fight. Floyd Mayweather went down to the ring with the Burger King by his side. Like The whole thing felt very, very commercialized. And as a person who wanted to see that fight for half a decade, um, that's what disappointed. It wasn't just the fact of, hey, these these guys have been the most famous fighters, the most important fighters in the sport now for a good 10 years, and we want to see who the better guy is. And that was so secondary and so bastardized in this first matchup. So when you tell me that there's going to be a second matchup, not only with the hope that you're going to get a Manny Pacquiao who is 
in better health than he was for the last fight, but also um, just a fight that's going to have less BS surrounding it. And so I definitely think that this thing is, they got to do a couple things. One, do not charge people $100 for this fight. That that would be a, a, a critical, critical mistake. Uh, you, you'd be lucky after what you did to the fans performance-wise that they would pay $50 for this fight. Um, so that has to be one thing. It will still do very good business. It is hard to find bankable pay-per-view fights in boxing these days. You know, look how rare it is that you have the heavyweight championship of the world between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. They can get it done. Canelo Alvarez is a bona fide star. They did a, a million plus buys for the rematch against Gennady Golovkin. That's about it right now. Like that, everything else is basically in this this little box and window of streaming services and and niche fighting and all that. But you know, Floyd Mayweather, no matter what, can sell pay per views. Um, and if he can go out there and get you a million pay per views, the the number of people who can do that in the sport guaranteed is one. It's Canelo Alvarez. That's it. So. From that standpoint, even if it is a matchup that not everybody liked, the rumored number was they did $4.4 million, uh, $4.4 million pay-per-view buys the first time. I would imagine that a quarter, they could do a quarter of that. And if they could do a quarter of that, that's amazing business for boxing pay-per-view this day and age. Could, could, could he make $100 million for this fight? I don't know, man. Like That, 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 that to me would be tough to believe anybody's going to bank on that. They'd have so much damage control to do. The interesting thing that came out this week, though, and we'll end on this. Um, there were a couple of rumors that came out this week regarding why Floyd is fighting. And it was thrown out there that he has enormous gambling debt. And I didn't really know how to really take that because of, you know, people can just throw out whatever they want. But we do know that Floyd loves himself some gambling. We do know that. Um, but this report that came from TMZ made me feel like there was more validity to that than when it just came out that he was going to rematch Manny Pacquiao. And that was that he wants to do a tune-up in Tokyo. When I heard that, it, it made me pause and be like, man, if Floyd Mayweather not only ha- is, is thinking about coming back to fight Manny Pacquiao, who is not fight, it's not fighting Conor McGregor, no matter what you say, even if he beat him easily the first time, or one lopsided on the scorecards the last time. You're still fighting a, a, a world champion. You're still fighting an elite-level fighter, even if he is a little bit past his prime. So it still lends some danger to it. But then you're telling me that he also wants to do a tune-up, and he wants to do it in Tokyo. And the reason that Tokyo stood out was because Floyd only fights in Vegas. So if it's not gambling issues that he's having, that screams that there's some IRS stuff that's going down. And that's a little bit disheartening to see because this guy has by far the biggest two fights of all time he has three of the biggest fights of all time if floyd is really really still trying to keep his head above water with with money issues uh that's tremendously tremendously sad and 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 you hope that this isn't a thing where he continues to do this because people are going to continue to bet on seeing him lose and look Eventually, 41 is 41, 42 is 42, 43 is 43. Like, eventually, age is going to catch up, and you don't want that ending, ending badly. So, reading that Floyd Mayweather is thinking about taking a tuna fight overseas against Manny Pacquiao, it's like, man, not even Floyd's going to be able to outrun the sad ending for boxers with all that he's done. Because the, the wealth that they've put out there with him, you would think that he would never run out of money. But 
the actions, they don't speak of a guy who's not running out of money. So that's being that's uh, an interesting thing to keep a keep a close eye on as the uh, as the the rumors and the fights may be nearing with uh, Floyd Mayweather's return. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.